Can you just put that last line up for me again, Laura? <laughs> Where is it, Joe? If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. I wonder if your love for Jesus today is the same as it was when you first discovered who Jesus is. I wonder if your, your love for Jesus this morning is, is the same as it's always been or if it's gone, grown greater or if it's, it's, it's burning brighter and hotter and, and more excitedly than ever for Jesus. I wonder how your love for Jesus is this morning. How about we pray? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the privilege it is that we can become co-heirs in Christ, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world, that people who know you, that we are brought into your body, that we are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. God, we thank you that we can come together, that we can uh, be united as one people, that we are your family, and that we can come together, that we can worship you, that we can praise you, that we can meet together in homes, that we can study your word, that we can come together on Sundays and, and, and be encouraged with your word. Lord God, I just pray that you would let our love for you, God, be so fueled by the fact that you so love us. God, I pray that you would help us to see your amazing love for us. But Lord, as we do, our love for you, our love for one another could never grow dim. That Lord, we would be just so excited about you, about your love for this world, that we could not contain it, Lord. Lord God, we just pray for those who uh, may have physical challenges this morning. Uh, Lord, I know Pat's asked us to pray that you would just help her, Lord, as she settles into life at mercy, God. Lord, for others we may know that, uh, Lord, have particular challenges, God, we ask that you would give them grace and that, Lord, your love would be greater. Your love would captivate us, Lord, that, Lord, we would fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, that, Lord, we would be so stirred with faith because we know we have a God who loves us. And God, I just pray you'd use my words this morning. We thank you, God, for this time and just pray that you'd speak to us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're here with us, that you live in us. And we just thank you for having your way in us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just turn to the person beside you and say, good to see you. And I pray you mean it. Thank you, Lord. Well, I wonder if you've ever noticed... I wonder if you've ever noticed, as you look around the world, as you go through life, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go to uni, actually, um, I wonder if you've ever noticed that we're all different. Have you noticed that before? Have you, just turn again and look at that person beside you. and ima- Just imagine if you look like them. <laughs> imagine if you look like that person beside you. What an amazing world the world would be if everyone looked like that person beside you. What a wonderful world it would be. There's a song that goes like that, isn't there? Anyway. And we're all different. We're all different. We have different gifts. We have different strengths. We have different weaknesses. We have different things we're good at. 
We have different looks, we have different tastes, different smells, we have different s's about us. <laughs> yes, different s's, just extended. We're all different. And it's an amazing world that we live in. As you travel around the world, you see that everyone is so different. And yet we're also so the same, aren't we? I remember when I went to Papua New Guinea for the first time and we landed and we're going around. And to be honest, I was in a bit of culture shock as we landed and saw the country. But at the same time, I thought, this should feel more different. Like we're in another country. This is a different country. It should be like different country feeling vibes and it's a different country. Has anyone ever had that one? Another country? Another state? Another city? Anywhere? I'm just weird. I'm sorry, we're all different. <laughs> but anyway, just imagine right now that, now I hope this, I, I pray this never happens. Imagine there's a car accident right out the front of the church right now. Immediately we would see the different personalities and characters kicking into gear. Some people would just be jumping up out of the chair, they would be running, they'd be going straight to the car, they'd be doing their Dr. ABC. Some of you haven't been trained, you'd just go headlong into the car and you wouldn't even think about Dr. ABC. Oh, do, yeah, sorry, I've got to do my update. Um, <laughs> some people are good at updates. Um, and uh, if some people would be out there, they'd be, they'd be straight at the car saying, are you okay? Can, can you feel my fingers? What's your name? You know, all the Dr. ABC questions. And some of you would be out there straight away and you'd be, you'd be going, okay, we need to put a roadblock up there. We need to get someone's car out here, put the hazard lights on. We've got to block traffic off. Okay, someone needs to stop the kids from coming out because this isn't a good scene. And some of you would be going out there going, oh, far out. So I can see his axle's gone up into there. His radiator's been pushed right up into that corner. And that's caused this to do that. And like you'd be looking at the skid marks going, oh, okay. So see, you know, as he's going down there, he's turned that way. And the other car's been coming. And you'd be analysing the situation, taking photos so you can tell the police what's happened. And <laughs> others of you have been coming in to make cups of tea to take out to those people that were just a bit shaken up. And some of you have been re re writing it all down, recording it. What was that? Oh, so, yeah, someone would be calling ambulance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, some people would think of that, so that's good. We're all different. And it's good. It's good. Because if we weren't all different, some things would never get done. If, if we weren't all different, we'd all be trying to do the same job. If we weren't all different, the world would be boring and we wouldn't be as God had planned us to be. We're all different and it's good. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. As much as it might frustrate you. I know we'd all like everyone to be like ourselves. I've been told that... Uh, <laughs> okay, maybe not. I've been told that every guy looks for someone that uh, behaves like them. I've been told. But I don't know if it's true. I'm going to move on from that. <laughs> anyway, God knows the plans He has for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope give you hope and a future. Together, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for someone else long ago. No, for you long ago. He planned for us, His church, His body, together as different parts, functioning differently. I was going to look at Romans and all the other passages we could have looked at, but I thought, no, we're not going to do that this morning. But we are all different, and it is good, it is beautiful, it's as God wanted it to be. But I wonder if you've ever thought about your differences, and you thought maybe they weren't so beautiful. Maybe 
physical differences, maybe emotional differences, maybe uh, the way you think about things differences. I didn't say very good grammar, but <laughs> we're all different. And I wonder if it's ever t- a time that you felt like, I wish I just wasn't like this. I wish I was like that other person in this area. I'm sure we all have at times. Maybe you thought your difference was a weakness. Maybe you thought the way you are is not how you're meant to be. And sometimes there's things God wants to change about us, but we are who God's made us to be and created us to be. One of my challenges as a pastor, as I, as I stand up here and I speak, I know that I'm speaking to a lot of very different people, different people with different gifts, different strengths, different weaknesses, different struggles and challenges. And I pray that I would speak words of life and encouragement that would build up every person here. But I also know that every person comes with different filters and different ways of thinking about things. And I know that at times some people are agitated by something I say and other people are encouraged at the same time and and vice versa. But I pray that what I would say always brings life to every person, even though I know that every person is different. Now, it's, it's my joy and privilege to be able to, to catch up with people, even already this year, and to talk about the things that are uh, challenges in your life and to hear the struggles and, and things that are going on for you. And as I've caught up with people even this year, I've heard people say, Andrew, I've got this passion on my heart. We've just, we've, we've, we've got to do this, Andrew. We've, we've got to do more of that. We've got to, Andrew, we've got to grow in this. I'm going, yeah, I love your passion. This is unreal. This is awesome. God has given you a stirring, and this is fantastic. And then I catch up with someone else, and they say, Andrew, we've just got to do this. And I go, yes, that's fantastic. That's awesome. God has given you a passion for that. And at times, you might look at the two and say they're completely opposite. Now, but at the same time, they're quite possibly both completely right. Some might be saying, we've got to do more to reach people with the gospel. And others would say, we've just got to do more resting in God. And it's true for different people at different times. We have different things that God is speaking to us that we need to do. And I want to encourage you, what God's speaking to you, that we need to step into those things. But understand that we are all different and we all need to move forward from this day differently. The thing that you learned 20 years ago when that situation in your life happened and you understood, you got a revelation from God about that aspect in your life, that person sitting beside you may not have had yet. And God's calling you to move forward differently to to that person beside you. This morning, I want to begin a new series. We're starting today by talking about the God who cares for us. The God who cares for us. Because if we can understand the God who made us, the God who, who, who knows everything, cares about us. He understands you, even when you don't understand yourself. When you're confused about things, God cares for you. When you don't understand why things are happening the way they are, if you can understand that there is a God who cares for you, it changes everything. It changes how we react. It changes how we respond. And we need to know that there is a God. There is a God and God is a God who cares for us. 
He knows us, and yet He loves us completely. He still cares about us, even though He knows everything about us. I want to read Psalm 8, verse, uh, the whole of Psalm 8, verse 1 to 9. O Lord, our Lord, Your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of Your strength, silencing Your enemies and all who oppose You. When I look at the night sky and see the work of Your fingers, the moon and the stars that You set in place, What are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God, Elohim, and crowned Him with glory and honour. You gave gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, Your majestic name fills the earth. The God who created the heavens and the earth, who put the stars in place, who formed the oceans, who who created every living creature, knows us by name and He cares for us. Psalmist says, Who are we mere mortals that you should be mindful of us? And yet He is. There's a couple other verses in Psalm 121. It says this, I look up to the mountains, does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. He will not sleep while you pray, even though you might sleep sometimes while you pray. He will never fall asleep while you you pray to Him. He will not stop listening Our hope does not come from the mountains, from the trees, from the bush, from anything else. Uh, Our our hope is not found in nothingness like I spoke about last time. Our peace does not come from finding a vacuum. It comes from God and God Himself. uh, Matthew chapter 6, Luke chapter 12 talks all about don't worry about tomorrow. If you're worrying, maybe write those passages down. Matthew 6, Luke 12, it talks about don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about food and clothing and what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink what you're going to do, seek God, trust Him, and He'll direct your paths. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head of all our heads, maybe, is more exciting for some of you, are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. You know, it's so good to know that we have a loving God who cares for us, but there's also a check there too that says, don't fear anyone in this life, but fear God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. God is our judge. He is our righteous judge who will judge the living and the dead. And we will be accountable for our actions, but know that He is a gracious, compassionate, loving God who has has come for us and died on a cross for our sin. We have a God who cares for us so, so much. I wonder if you've ever been abseiling. Has anyone ever been abseiling, rock climbing, been on a rope and gone down backwards. Some of you, not a lot. I'm surprised there's not more. Anyway, 
I don't know about you, but I, I have this moment every time. I, I love rock climbing. I used to have a membership in Geelong, the, the Rock, and I used to go rock climbing sometimes. And, and you go up the rock, it's great fun. You, you climb up, and we used to ca- take groups of kids with Youth for Christ out uh, rock climbing and abseiling. I loved it. And people had revelations about the, the God who created the earth up there. Anyway, and, and you climb up, and it didn't matter how many times I'd done it, whether you're rock climbing and you get up the top and you go, I know this rope is good. I think I trust that kid down there. And I, I know this works, but I just have that moment of letting go of the rock. Has anyone had that? And you just fall back onto the rope as they belay you down. It's just that moment of, do I or don't I? And maybe as you're abseiling, like you get all harnessed up, the instructor tells you what to do, and you're like, yep, these guys know what they're doing. They do this every day. The ropes are good. The helmet's fantastic. Even though I think it'll do nothing if I fall down there. Um, and, and, and you get to the edge and you go, okay, here we go. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. I think our, our trust in God can be a little bit the same. We get to the edge and we go, God, I know you love me. I know you care for me. I know you're good. I know for hundreds and thousands of years you have been protecting your people and you love them and you care for them. But I don't think I want to lean back into this, God. It's, it's a step every day we need to take to to say, okay, God, I'm leaning into you. And you know what? If you don't lean back as you're abseiling, you scratch your chin, you you bang your arm. It's not very comfortable as as, as they lower you down, like it or not. Um, Those those that lean back and bounce on their legs, they're out there going, woo! Like, it's fun! They're bouncing down the the rock and and they're having a great time and the the kid that's too scared to, to trust the rope ends up getting lowered anyway, and they're scratching themselves on the edge, and it's just not as much fun. God calls us to trust Him. He's a God who cares for us, and we can trust Him. This morning, I want us to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 15, and it's kind of the lost chapter. That doesn't mean we've misplaced it. It doesn't mean it's about the lost things. Luke chapter 15, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. But I want us to read it and think about the context as we read this passage. We need to understand this context that he begins with. He says, Jesus speaking, actually not yet, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I wonder who those notorious sinners were. You know, they had, they had names, they were people, they... They had done things that made them notorious sinners. I wonder who they might have been, what they were like, that people knew them as notorious sinners. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. To eat with someone is to say that that you accepted them as a friend, and, and Jesus was eating with these sinful people. The Pharisees were complaining. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. 
Now, I thought about this passage and I thought about the fact that Jesus says, this sheep gets lost. And I thought, I've read this passage lots of times and I never thought about it this way. I thought, I wonder how many times this sheep's gotten lost. Because you know what it's like, you go to Melbourne with a group of people, there's always one, isn't there, that just, just wanders off. They just likes to explore a little bit further and tell no one where they're going. It's like, and we're all different and that's beautiful. Frustrating, but beautiful. And we love you if you're that person. But, but I just thought, I wonder how many times this sheep's got lost before. Like, you imagine you've got a sheep, it gets lost, you go, oh no, where's little Larry? Where's little Larry? Let's go find little Larry, our sheep. And you go out and you find, you find Larry and say, Larry, you naughty little boy, come here and we'll carry you home. And you bring it home and you say, there we are, we're all back together. And the next day you go out into the paddocks and you go, one, two, three, four, you get to 99, it's like, oh, where's Larry? I don't know why I chose Larry. But, um, and you go out and you search for Larry, you look everywhere, you're looking all day, you're like, where on earth have you gone this time, Larry? You adventurous little wonderful thing, you. And finally you find Larry and he's in the blackberry bushes. And you're like, great, you're stuck. Now I've got to get in the blackberry bushes. And, and you climb in and you're getting all scratched. But you get Larry out and you're like, Larry, don't do that again. And you carry him home and you put him amongst the others and say, oh, that's good. But then after the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, because Larry's pretty adventurous, the tenth, the twentieth time. And you go out and you go, Larry, where are you? And like there's some frustration now. I think after the twentieth time you go and you find that sheep and you're thinking, sheep, you're stupid. <laughs> what do you keep getting lost for? Stay with the others. And you, I don't know about, I, we all have that point. Maybe it's 21 times for you. And you're like, I ain't carrying you home. You're walking and you're pushing and you're shoving. And then you, maybe you grab that sheep and you chuck it on the back of the ute or whatever they would have done on the horse, camel. But I wonder if maybe our patience level would drop pretty quickly. And yet we have the contrast of Jesus talking about the lost sheep. And he says, this sheep that gets lost, maybe only once, but maybe lots of times, I don't think it really matters. But God, the good shepherd, searches for that sheep until he finds it. And then he says he joyfully picks it up on his shoulders and carries it home. And what does he do when he gets home? Give it a lecture and say, don't do that again. He says, no, he calls his friends and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. And he says there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner that comes home than over 99 who basically think they're righteous, who think they're already good enough. When someone realizes their need for God, all of heaven rejoices. We have a God who cares for us. We have a God who cares for the lost sheep. And we are the lost sheep. We're all lost at times. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all turned and done our own thing. We've all sinned against God. And yet every one of us just needs to surrender and say, God, I'm sorry. And I, just, I just pictured that lamb on the back like a sack of potatoes. We used to play sack of potatoes when I was a kid. I don't know if it was my brother or someone carrying me. I don't know how I trusted him. Anyway, I love your brother if you ever listen to this. <laughs> and we just need to trust God and say, I can't do this on my own. I need your strength. I need your love. I need your guidance. We have a God who cares for us. Then we see the story of the lost coin and the lady lights a lamp and searches everywhere for the coin. I don't want to look at that one this morning. And then we have the prodigal. The prodigal son. 
but could so much, so easily be called the prodigal God story too. I think I've talked about it before and maybe uh, mentioned the book, but if you ever want to read a book about the prodigal God, a book by Timothy Keller, it's a great read. Um, and it really talks about how the word prodigal is, is, it means to be reckless, to be extravagant, to be wasteful in the negative sense. It's, it's an amazing, reckless, extravagant word. <laughs> and the son is reckless. He's extravagant in wild living and wastes his money and all he has. But the father in the story is also reckless in his love. He has an amazing compassion. He is extravagant in his generosity towards the son. And to be honest, the story is not about the, the, the extravagant sin of the son. It's not about how, how terrible the son was and yet God welcomed him. It's about the extravagant, reckless love of God. It's about the amazing father who welcomes home a son that would do such terrible things and yet welcome him home. And we've got to need to understand the context. I was talking with Matt about this last week and how in some cultures, even today, that there is a shame-based culture or sort of pattern, a way of thinking, that if, if someone in the family does something terrible, the most loving thing to them in their mind to can do is to just, just live as, as if they don't exist. It's to, to abandon them and say, you're no longer alive to us. They don't acknowledge what they've done. They, they just want to be completely separate. If there's someone that falls over in the street and hurts themselves, the most loving thing to do is pretend it didn't happen and just keep walking. And for the, 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 the father in this story, in the, in the culture and the way these people understood the story, the father who is asked to give his inheritance away and before he's even dead is, is, is just not right to begin with, but then he goes and wastes it all the father, when the son comes home, should just say, you're dead to me. You, you have shamed our family and you are, you are not my son. But instead, this, this reckless, extravagant, amazingly gracious and loving God doesn't say, you're no longer my son. You're dead to me. He says, you once were lost. You were dead but now you have come alive again, welcome home, and he accepts him, he welcomes him home with an amazing prodigal love. I want us to read that passage in verse 11. It says, so Jesus, still talking about the Pharisees who didn't want Jesus to be eating with the, the sinners, it says to illustrate the, illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. In other words, I wish you were dead so I could have what you have now. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants 
have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. He knows that his father should cut him off. Please take me on as a hired servant. He's like, I know I, I, I cannot be acknowledged as your, as your son after what I've done, but please just take me back as a hired hand, as a servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And I just imagine the father cutting him off, and he's like, but his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. The father doesn't push him away. He doesn't turn him away. He doesn't even bring up his wild past. He just says, welcome home, my son. I love you. You are my son. And we're going to celebrate that you are alive, that you have come back to life. And as we come back to the Father, we find life. It doesn't matter where we've been, it doesn't matter what we've done. We find life when we turn back to the Father. You know, we can be Christians, we can, be, we can know Jesus and chase after things that lead to death. But for every one of us, we find life when we follow Jesus, when we turn to Him and follow Him. The father agreed to give him what he'd asked for. And then the father runs to him. Another thing that a father should not do, a dignified father in that culture, to run, that was for kids. And he embraces this wild son. He puts a robe on him. He recognizes him a part of the family. He gives him a ring, the sandals, the feast. He welcomes him home. And then we see the older brother that comes in after he's been out in the fields, and he's angry. He's saying, Dad, how could you welcome home this son who has shamed our family? He's done these terrible things. He's, been, he's wasted so much. How could you let that guy out there come back in here and be with us, be one of us again? How could you do that, Father? And he's angry, and he leaves the party, and we don't know what happens to him. It doesn't say. And the father's like, you've always been able to share everything I have. Everything I have is yours. Don't you understand what you already have? You live with me. You're, you're, you're a part of my family. But the son hasn't understood it. You know, for us, we can be like that older brother. And the message of this passage is really that we aren't working to earn God's love. We have it. The son who runs off doesn't realize it, so he goes to try and find life somewhere else. Finally, he realizes that the love of his father is the only way forward, and he comes home. The son who's been there the whole time, he's, he's, he's working hard, and he's saying, Father, I've done all these things for you. Why couldn't I have a feast? And the father says, everything I have is yours. You can have a feast anytime. We don't have to earn God's love my, he says, my love is for you. I love you. I care for you. 
Will you turn to me? Will you trust me? We have a God who cares for us. And we have the honor and the privilege of being called His children. We have the honor and the privilege of telling people about the love and the care of our Father in heaven. We have the honor and privilege of being salt and light, to be His hands and feet on this earth and to help people find life in this Father who loves them always and is always searching for them and calling them to come back, no matter how many times they run off like little Larry the sheep, that He loves them and He wants to help them find life. We have the privilege of being the people He has chosen to tell people about His love. And yeah, it's a responsibility, but it's a privilege. Here at CFC, we, part of our vision statement is to, to care for people, to care for all people, to welcome all people, to care for people as they learn to care for others. I believe every person has the ability to, to know God and tell people about the love of God. God wants to use every person in this room to help people understand the love of God. God wants you to be cared for, but also to care for others and to show them the love of God. Every person that God has made, I believe, can show people the love of God. We can, be, we can all be teachers of God's love to one another. In Romans chapter 12, it says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, we can't give to others what we haven't yet received. And we need to know the love of God. We need to receive the love of God in our life so that we can give it away to others. It's not about do things for God and then you'll have the love of God. It's about receive the love of God so you can give it away to others. We want to be a church that cares for others. We've, you know, we're putting on whole extensions and praise God, it's, it's, it's $50,000 come in to pay for that and it's nearly finished Nearly. And we've got the new paving area there, our little courtyard and the, the doors that go out there. And we've got the coffee cart there, the, our missions coffee cart. But you know, we, we haven't done these things just to make it feel nice around this place. We, we, we've made an area where people can sit and, and have coffee and feel, feel at home and that you can encourage people to say, hey, come outside and we'll catch up over a coffee and, and let's sit and just chat about life. It's an opportunity to, to care for one another. Our coffee cart, I want to encourage you to think of it as our, as our missions coffee cart and the money that comes in from that is going to be going into missions here and overseas. But I want you to think of the missions coffee cart as an opportunity to bless someone and think, who can I bless with a coffee today? Who can I go and get a coffee for today? Or if you could see a new person come in and say, hey, have you had your free coffee yet? Because we want to give every visitor a free coffee. Absolutely, if they want one. Uh, we want to make people feel at home and welcome. And I want you to think of that coffee cart. I want you to think of that courtyard area out there as opportunities to bless people, to show people the love of God and to care for those that come in, to, 
And I'm going to tell you something else too. We don't just want baristas on our coffee machine. We want people that can make a good coffee, but people that care for people and know the love of God, that can share the love of God with people, even as they make a cup of coffee. And that's the same for every ministry in this church. We don't want just people that are really good singers. We don't just want people that are really good at whatever we do. We want to minister to people. We want to show the love of God as we do what we do. Amen? Amen. God, give us grace to do that. Because of all He has done for us, let our lives be a holy, living sacrifice as worship to Him. Let Him transform the way we think. I want to ask you this morning, do we have the heart of the Father? Do we have the heart of our Father God who loves us, who searches for that one lost sheep? Maybe you've been searching for that lost sheep and they've come and they've run away a thousand times and you're just this morning going, oh, I give up. But I believe God would want to encourage you this morning to say, I'm going to have the Father heart of God and keep seeking that one that is lost, to keep loving no matter how many times they run away and waste what I've given them. I'm going to keep loving that person. Maybe it looks different the way you love them next time, I don't know. But I'm going to keep loving that person. Do we have the the heart of the God who cares for us? The one who came and laid down his life, who, who took our sins upon the cross and gave up his life that we could be set free. Do we know his love? Do we understand his love? Are we aware of his love? And if we are, are we ready to share that love with others? Will we have that heart to care as he cares for us? I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to finish with a song this morning. As we look at this series, my prayer is that we will grow in our care for one another. We're going to talk about some practical ways that we can care for one another. But my heart is that we would come to God, that we would know His love and His care for us. Because we cannot give to others what we don't have. I think of the, the disciples as they walked along that day and they saw the, man, the blind man begging, asking for money. And they said, gold and silver have I none, but what I have I give to you. And this morning I believe God wants to fill us, remind us, refresh us with a knowledge of his love and his care for us that we might be refreshed, that we might be filled so that we can give that love away to others. What an awesome God we have. This song is all about the reckless love of God. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life into me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Yeah. (laughs) I love how it goes, yeah, at the end. 
This is a new song to us this morning. You might just like to sit. I just encourage you just to receive as you listen to this song now. Just to receive and, and to be made aware again of the love of God. And as you are just aware of His love, maybe you just want to stand and declare it and say, yeah, thank you, Jesus, for your love. I'm going to stand and I'm going to declare it to this world because you are the God who cares for us. Thanks, guys.